Romans chapter 8 will be in verses 26 and 27. Likewise, the Spirit also helps in our weaknesses. For we do not know what we should pray for as we ought, but the Spirit Himself makes intercession for us with groanings which cannot be uttered. Now he who searches the hearts knows what the mind of the Spirit is because he makes intercession for the saints according to the will of God. As if your suffering and trial and tribulation isn't challenging enough, there's an issue that can just compound the problem to make it at least feel much more intense than even just the actual trial that you may be going through. And in fact, this one thing can often trouble people more than the trial itself. What is it then that could increase our suffering? It's when we think we suffer alone. When we have this sense about us that, that, that perhaps our, our family or our friends, that, that those who are our circle of support, that though they, they may care about us and that they love us, it can be this perception, whether real or not, it can be this perception, nobody understands what I'm going through. Nobody seems to be able to come alongside me and help me through this in any kind of meaningful way. That this, this sense, and it can be really oppressive, and I would argue it is a tactic of the devil, actually. It can feel really oppressive as if to say, I am all alone in the hurt and the pain that I'm going through. Nobody understands. But the flip side to that can be quite powerful. That when you find yourself in the midst of trial and suffering, that there are those people around you, friends and family, folks sitting next to you in the pew, those people who can come along with you in the midst of your hurt, who can identify with what you're going through. To have somebody help you when they themselves know the the pain of, of the struggle in relationships, whether it's marriage or family, or maybe somebody knows what it's like to, to, to deal with the trials of children. By the way, children at whatever stage of life they're in and you're in, have somebody be able to come alongside and say, I've been there, I understand, offer you some kind of encouragement and support. You, you get that, that call from the doctor and you get the report you never wanted to hear to have that individual with you who's been down that road. This is really profound encouragement, is it not? Uh, in fact, I, again, the idea of isolation sometimes can be harder than the trial itself. And one of the greatest benefits and blessings when going through trial is knowing that somebody else is there to walk the road with me. Somebody else is there to know Yes, they've been through it, they've endured, and that I myself can endure. And let me just suggest to you for a moment before we move ahead, 
That if you are here today and you think you are alone and isolated in your pain, I think that's a lie being told to you by the devil. I've yet to meet anybody who's actually experienced something absolutely brand new. I've yet to meet anybody who has ever come to me with a problem and I were to think, sorry buddy, uh, I don't know what to do with this one. I've never heard of anything like that, all right? For the most part, while everybody's situation may be a little different, a little distinct, you, you may have this particular feature, they may have that, I promise you, in fact, here's a promise I can make. There's somebody in this room who knows what it's like to be where you are. This is the benefit of being a part of the body of Christ. But now let's suppose for a moment, let's take that off the table, and let's suppose for a moment that in fact, you do feel like no other earthly person, no, there's no human in your circle of influence that can understand you, that can identify with your pain and suffering. The good news of the gospel is this. And really, church, it is quite almost overwhelming in how profound it is. The good news of the gospel, if you are a believer in Jesus Christ, you have inside of you right now the second and third person of the Trinity. Just let that sink for a minute. You have as a possession right now, the Bible says that because of the gospel, you are in Christ and Christ is in you. And the Bible also says that as a result of the gospel, the gift of God, the down payment of the greater salvation to come, the guarantee of our salvation is we have dwelling within us the Holy Spirit. I don't know about you, but that's not bad. Right? I mean, that sounds pretty good. Not, not just some kind of generic, well, God is with me and here because God is present everywhere, to think that inside of me exists the second and third person of the Trinity. Wow. What a profound blessing to us. And this is, in fact, what Paul is now bringing to our attention in this bigger discussion of suffering. As he's dealt with this, we've dealt with this going back to verse 18, and really the entirety of chapter 8 being this, this chapter that brings to bear uh, the, the relationship we have to the Holy Spirit on our understanding of the gospel. Seven chapters explains the gospel. Chapter 8 then says, and because of all this, you have the Holy Spirit. He convicts you of your sin. He convinces you of the truth of the gospel. And then He comes alongside of you as a comforter in the midst of your pain. Again, this, this larger context we've been dealing with is, so how, how, do, how do we manage when we face challenging realities of life? How do we endure through the suffering? How, how do we handle it when, when bad things happen? Paul kind of lays out for us what are at least six principles that help us put this into context and I think help us really uh, navigate this in-between space of, on the one hand, we're dealing with suffering and trials now, and on the other hand, we've got this greater glory to come. So how do we navigate then the path in between these? We've been looking at six ideas. We've looked at four. Uh, we've already looked at number one, Paul's general assertion that the path to future glory will take us through suffering. This is just the nature of life. We can't go around suffering. We can't go under it. We can't go over it. 
no one will escape this. This is a reality of our existence. Number two, glory's greatness far outweighs today's suffering. So, so, so Paul has already said, you know, but what we are going to face is, is incomparable. Your suffering now, it's not, it's not an equal that you'll have, just, you'll have it just as good in heaven as you had it bad on earth. The glory to come is incomparable in greatness. Then Paul did this odd thing. He, he kind of gives creation a voice, personifies it, and says that this is such a thing that even creation longs. Creation longs to be fulfilled. Creation longs to come out from under its futility that even the, 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 the way the world works is broken. And then last week we looked at number four. And as like creation, we groan in hope for the future promise. We also long for it. But we do so in hope. We, we, have, got, we have got the Spirit as the first fruit. We have this guarantee of salvation to come. And so our focus last week was really to appreciate the fact it's okay if we groan in the midst of our suffering provided we groan in hope, knowing that the greater day is coming. However, this could make us cynical, right? In other words, it could make us think something like, all right, we know we're going to suffer here and now. We know what's to come is really, really good. We know creation hates what it's dealing with. We hate what we're dealing with. So does that mean I just kind of have to, to grin and bear it? I mean, does that mean that I really, I'm just going to have to suffer through this? And am I, am I just kind of circling the wagons and holding on and hope till glory comes? What do I do in the meantime? And yeah, I've got a happy face on Sunday morning. And somebody asks me how I'm doing and I say, fine. And I say, how are you? And you say, Fine. When you go to bed tonight, when you wake up in the morning, it's not fine. It's far from fine. And all those problems confront you once again. And who knows? It's Monday. Maybe a new one gets added, right? That, could, that can make us a little gun-shy. It could make us a little cynical. Is this what we're stuck with? Well, thank goodness Paul comes along and in verses 26 and 27 say, no, you're not just stuck with this. That in, instead, we've got a fifth principle here. And that is as we groan, the Spirit intercedes for us according to God's will. I'm, I'm telling you, verses 26 through 30, we're not, we're not getting to all of that, all right? We're only doing two verses. 26 through 30 it, it, it describes for us what the Spirit is doing for us now in the midst of our suffering. And then 28, 29, and 30 describe for us what is God's greater purpose in our suffering. All right? We'll get to that starting next week. These could be some of the, the most incredible promises in all of the Bible if you find yourself really struggling through the challenges of life. And so in this one here, Paul now, now brings the Spirit back into the discussion Notice he says in verse 26, likewise the Spirit. When he says likewise, obviously he's connecting to something that has come before. I think he's connecting it this way. Just as in the previous text, he described how we have this hope, this resolute confidence in the gospel that it, God will, by his gospel, complete this work in us. 
we will see glory. We will be fully redeemed. We'll see every benefit and promise and blessing of adoption to come. That, that should give us strength to endure in the same way. Likewise, notice what the Spirit does. The Spirit also helps in our weaknesses. The Spirit helps in our weaknesses. I love the word help. When you and I think of the word help, uh, we, we think of it probably as a, as a cooperative kind of help. That The text here, I mean the word literally means to come to the aid of someone. But in this context, it really means the Spirit coming to do what you cannot do for yourself. What you can't do on your own. The, the idea of help is pretty straightforward, right? To, to be helped by someone means there's one who is providing aid and is capable of getting aid to the person who needs to be aided. It's perfectly understandable, right? Okay? In other words, so, so to, to help means the one who can come in and fill up what is lacking in you. This, this can be illustrated in some negative and positive ways. Let's think negatively. Has anyone here ever been asked for help and you could not help somebody? Dads? Most of you are way more mechanically inclined than I am. If you need something, if my kid needs something more than a new battery in a toy, I'm out, all right? That's it. I'm done, all right? I, I, cannot, I cannot help, but I've had, every, I've had each one of my children have that moment. I've seen it in their eyes. They still love and respect me, but you know, it's that moment where they bring the toy they broke, all right? They might have broken it in anger, overuse, throwing it at another brother, whatever the case was, all right, the thing broke. I mean, literally, I've had a kid dump pieces in my lap, look at me and say, fix it. <laughs> and then I see the air go out of his dad bubble. I, I can't help you here. Now, at that point, what can I do? I can sympathize. I could be snarky and say, you shouldn't have broken it in the first place, all right? It's probably what I do more often than not. But, you know, I can say, yeah, I know, this really hurts. This is hard. I mean, I can come alongside, but I can't really help. What about the flip side? Have you ever been in a situation where you needed help, but somebody couldn't help you? Like a customer service situation, right? I don't know if they couldn't help you or they just decided not to help you. I had that situation in an airport with a rental car not long ago, all right? I know they could have helped me. They just decided not to, all right? I just know it. Um, they, they just decided not, not to help. I, I've, I've got to tell you, I've got a trio of experiences where on two occasions I've been the guy who couldn't help but one I, that I could. I, I think I've told you all before, I don't know what it is. There are certain locations people think I worked there. That this is absolutely true, all right? And they think I can help. One of them is really strange. Lowe's, all right? Now, you all know me. I, yeah, I mean, this is ridiculous, okay? Yeah, at Lowe's. So I have, I have actually been in Tool World. I, I don't know why I was in Tool World. I don't know. Uh, you know, and a guy comes up and says, you know, sir, could you help me find a lug wrench nut bolt 
Johnson Rock. You know, I don't have any idea what you're talking about, all right? I don't have any clue what this is. And I have to say, uh, sir, I'm sorry, I, I don't work here. Now, his response was, well, does anybody work here? I'm like, I mean, it's Lowe's. I don't know what to tell you. I mean, I, you know, welcome to Lowe's. I don't know what else to say. Another one happened, I'm not kidding, at a car lot, all right? At a, so, I'm, there, my car's getting fixed through a warranty thing, so I'm ta- I've taken it to a dealer because he's got to fix it, all right? So, I've taken it to a dealer, and I'm standing out front waiting for a ride. This just so happens, the color of my shirt, right, pastor casual, khakis and a golf shirt, okay? It just so happens to match the guys on the lot. And I had a lady come up to me and say, what specials do you have today? That is not a joke. There's, there's a witness to this. And, and I wanted to say, what will it take for me to get you into a car today? But I did not. But I'm certain I could have sold this woman a car. But the third place this happened, I nailed it. Lifeway Christian Bookstore. All right? Okay? I was wearing a red shirt. All right? Same thing, khakis and the shirt that somebody thinks were. And a lady comes up to me and says, sir, could you help me find a Bible? Absolutely, ma'am. Let's go. All right, I didn't say anything. Absolutely. Because in a life, I'm convinced I was a better option than anybody else, all right? And you're saying, Pastor, that's arrogant. Well, all right. It, yes, it was. It is. It is, okay? And so, in fact, I helped her pick out, pick it, pick it out. All right, so, the, you know, the, the, language, the language, though, of help, then, is an important word. It, it can be underappreciated, overlooked. When, the, when Paul says, likewise, the Spirit helps in our weakness. So it's not just that he comes alongside when we need a little pick-me-up, like your cup of coffee in the morning. When it says he helps in our weakness, that, that is a way of saying the Spirit is able to provide aid to you in the condition that you're in, which is a condition in which you can't do anything about your problem. Your weakness is a reference to your sinfulness, your brokenness. Now, I know as a believer, we're children, you know, adopted into the family. Yeah, we've talked about that. But you still have a flesh. You're still broken. You haven't experienced the fullness of your redemption. So when it says the Spirit helps in our weakness, He helps in a way that is consistent with, comparable to your inability. It's a way of saying you cannot do this on your own. You don't possess within you the capability, the capacity to get through this. You need one who will come alongside you. This is what Jesus talks about in John 16. When He talks about the role of the Holy Spirit to His disciples, when He tells them this story, you know, this, this, when He gives this, this teaching to say, I've got to go so the Spirit can come. They don't understand it. But he's saying the Spirit has to come and, and, and he, will, he will be a comforter. He will be a helper. The language of come alongside, that doesn't mean that he's going to you know, walk with you and you know, pat you on the back and say, yeah, I know it's really hard. All right? He's more than just a sympathizer or empathizer who just puts your, his arm around you. I'm not saying that's not a... That, that's, that's not a, a bad role to play in somebody's life. That can be very helpful. I just mean the Spirit's more than that. The Spirit makes up in you what you lack in yourself. He helps in a way 
that recognizes my brokenness and limitations. Listen, church, when, when you face your suffering, your trial, and you think, I can't do this. You're right. You're right. And that's the bad news, right? You are weak. You are too weak. You are too weak spiritually, emotionally, mentally. You are, you are too weak. The good news is, you have the third person of the Trinity living inside you, taking up possession inside of you to do for you what you can't do for yourself. He helps in our weaknesses. But then notice the specific way that He helps. Next phrase there, verse 26. For we do not know what we should pray for as we ought, but the Spirit Himself makes intercession for us with groanings which cannot be uttered. This is profound because this means the direction of the Spirit's ministry is a two-fold, would that be the way to say it? A two-fold kind of direct, a two-way direction. In other words, He helps you in your weakness, so it is a ministry to you. But then the Spirit also intercedes before the Father for you. So He's working in you to make up in you what is lacking because of your brokenness. And at the same time then, He is going before the Father on your behalf. He is interceding. He is a go-between. He makes intercession for you. You want to make this really simple? I know this may sound really strange, and perhaps it is a a, a profound divine ministry, uh, mystery and ministry that you should just kind of let hang in your heart and mind. The Holy Spirit prays for you. Isn't that incredible? The Holy Spirit prays to God, the Father, for you. Now, preacher, how does all that work? You got the whole Trinity three in one, one uh, separate, but the but unity and Trinity, and how does all of that work? I say you just kind of set that aside. All right. I'm not saying it's an unimportant question. I just mean I don't have five hours. All right, and neither do you. Okay. All right, we don't want to be here that long to flesh all that out. And even when we're done, I don't know that it'll all be. Oh yeah, I perfectly understand the Trinity. You know, as has been said before, if you think you have a perfect understanding of the Trinity, you are a heretic. All right? In other words, you've missed something. You've missed something. There is definitely a wall between me and what it means that there is three in one. Just rest in the truth. God the Spirit. Praise to God the Father for you. Let me add to this, by the way. We sang... You know who else does this? The Spirit. Not only does the Spirit intercede for you, but you know Jesus intercedes for you? That's not a bad deal. 
In other words, not only is Jesus in me and I in him, the Spirit's in me as a guarantee and down payment of the future glory to come. The Bible says both of them are praying for me. Jesus prays for you and the Spirit prays for you. So the next time you hear those voices whispering to you to say that you're all alone, that God knows nothing about your situation, that God cares nothing for the pain and hurt that you're going through, you can out loud if you'd like. People will think you're crazy, but they probably already think that anyway. All right, you can out loud go ahead and say, you're lying. Because Jesus is praying for you and the Spirit is praying for you. Seems difficult to believe the Father doesn't know what's happening. This is the ministry of intercession. The Spirit goes before the Father on our behalf. And notice how it says it. He Himself makes intercession for us with groanings which cannot be uttered. So a little interesting play on words here. Paul had said that creation groans and that we groan, but the Spirit also groans. But he doesn't groan like we groan. We groan in, in this frustration to a degree. That's what he's referring to, this desire to be made complete. The Spirit's not groaning to be made complete. The word groaning in this use right here is a way of saying, there is divine communication going on to which you are not privy. You don't hear it? You couldn't understand it anyway. This is not, by the way, some reference to a private prayer language or speaking in tongues. This is a way of speaking to the way God the Father and God the Spirit are communicating. Which again, you just tread carefully here. That is a profound mystery and a profound uh, beauty for us as believers. That the Spirit, He's interceding. We don't know what He's saying. We don't know what the Father is saying. In other words, this is, this is divine communication between two persons of the Trinity. Maybe this is just too much to handle on a Sunday morning, especially a holiday weekend, all right? Uh, Don't worry, some hamburgers and hot dogs tomorrow will make it all come together, okay? This is what's going on for you. Again, notice this is a specific feature of the way He helps in our weakness. Because we do not know what we should pray for as we ought. He's not saying we don't know how to pray. He's not saying that we don't know how to ask things of God. In other words, if you're going through a trial, if you're going through suffering, what is the prayer that you're praying? Get me out. Right? By the, but I know what you're thinking. Oh, should, can we pray that? Are we, allow, are, are we allowed to pray that? Sure. Why not? Why can't you pray that? Not saying God's going to answer it the way you want him to. In fact, more than likely he's not, okay? So he's not saying that we don't know a way to pray. We do. What he's saying is we don't understand the divine mind. We don't understand God's future sovereignty. We don't know all that's going on. Quite frankly, we don't even fully understand the suffering we're in when we're in it. We don't understand sometimes where it came from, why it's happening, when it's going to end. When it does end, sometimes we don't understand how it ended. And we don't then know, well, what's coming next? In other words, we don't know how to pray in a way that is perfectly aligned with God's sovereignty because we don't have access to all of God's sovereign plan. But the Spirit does. This is part of our weakness. This is part of our limitation. Pray for what you want to pray for. 
I mean, don't make it like a selfish prayer. Pray, you know, pray, pray as, as you would. Pray as you would. But then, no, oh, this is what the Spirit is doing. And in fact, there's a further promise that's made in verse 27. Now, he who searches the hearts knows what the mind of the Spirit is because he makes intercession for the saints according to the will of God. He makes intercession for the saints according to the will of God. Boy, I hope that encourages you this morning, church. I hope it does. I hope that you hear what he's saying. All right, you and I, we don't know what to pray for. In other words, we don't have access to the divine mind. We don't know the ins and outs of all that's going on and all that will go on. We're still weak. We're still limited. We still deal with brokenness and sin. And so we need one to come alongside to help in our weakness who will intercede for us. And since God the Father and God the Spirit are one, God the Spirit knows the mind of God the Father and can only ever intercede in a way that's perfectly aligned with God's will. Here's what I love about this. Here's what I think is really profound about this promise. What I think is a real benefit. Does this not address what is one of the biggest struggles that we have when we deal with our suffering? Again, Sunday morning, we're not inclined, you know, to talk about what we struggle with with one another. We're kind of in and out sometimes, right, on a Sunday morning. But, but my guess is, when you've got, maybe you're going through something, have or about to, you know, whatever it may be, really the truth is, all of us have probably have some kind of thing, right? That's the theological term for it. All of us probably have some kind of thing going on, right? You got your thing, and it may be a thing, all right? It may be a thing, I don't know what it is, all right? It may be yours, you know, and, your, and ours are all different, okay? Our, our, the, all the things, I know it's really technical. Oh, preacher, wow, you're really, you do have a degree, don't you? My goodness, you're wowing us with your brilliance now. So, yeah, we all have kind of a thing. In fact, rarely are we ever thing-free, right? You ever have a day where you think, wow, I don't have anything, right? There's nothing. There's no thing going on. No, that's not, that's not a thing. All right, in other words, you are struggling, you are, we're all struggling through, through something, and is it not a challenge then to wonder? Kind of like what we've already mentioned, does, not that you really think God doesn't know, but when you say, does God, is God aware what you're asking for? Is God giving an intentional attention to my thing? Is He engaged in this? And then, and then you wonder, I don't even know how to pray. Some of you may even go through such pain that, that you get to a place where you don't even know what you want to pray for. Maybe you're worried about what to pray for. Some folks may even, I'll get asked this question, Pastor, I don't want to pray for the wrong thing. You've struggled with this, I've struggled with this. And then maybe some of you will say, well, I mean, I had my thing but my goodness, then I heard about that guy's thing, and I thought, why pray about my thing? I'm going to pray about his thing too, all right? His thing's way worse than mine. You hear these things, right? In other words, you wonder, all right, so do I, should I even pray? I mean, really, there, there are people suffering all over the world. So-and-so has such-and-such a health condition, or so-and-so has such-and-such a family situation. Really, my, 
you know, what I'm going through is not that big of a deal. Should I pray for these? You all ready for this? Okay, this, this, this may be worth the price you paid to get in. All right, some of you will have to get it later. All right, so you, listen, I'm, I'm talking specifically, by the way, to those who are believers in Jesus Christ. He's only doing it for those who are called saints. Did you pick up on that? Only those who are saints is this ministry going on for. You can't mess this up. How's that? For positive thinking, feel good, right? You don't hear that often around here, right? You can't mess this up. Do you really think you could pray something and then God do it and it turn out to be wrong? Oh, I don't know if I should pray for that. Okay, go ahead and pray about it. What? Well, I, I mean, can I, can I ask God for this? Yeah, go ahead. Being sovereign, He's going to do what He wants, but you know, here's, here's the good news. This, this is the promise He's getting to. I don't know exactly how it works, and I, and I would not dare put words into the mouth of the Father or the Spirit, uh, which, by the way, I think that would be like taking the Lord's name in vain, to, in, in a sense, okay? But something is going on when you pray for what you're going through. And the Spirit translates it into praying for you what you really need. When you find yourself in that situation, when you, when you get that bad news, when you're struggling with that, with that health problem, and you are suffering through what is a very devastating diagnosis, and you come before God, and you are praying before God, maybe groaning before God, maybe crying in frustration before God, maybe it's gone on for some time, and you're asking for all kinds of things, dynamic, transformative healing, some kind of... It, it, explosive work of God. Maybe you're praying for endurance and strength. There's something that you're praying for. Maybe you don't even know what you are saying. You are just repeating back to God the pain that you're enduring. What is going on in that moment as you are pouring out what is in essence your limitation and your weakness. The Holy Spirit, the Spirit of God is going before God the Father and is praying for you in a manner that is consistent with the will of God, when that relationship that you're in is so broken and so frustrating, and you find yourself once again, and maybe it's gone on for years, and you find yourself once again coming before God, praying, pray for what you, what's in your heart, pray for what's, what you're facing, and again, maybe it's just groans and frustration, but I'm telling you, church, you cannot mess this up. Because the Spirit is taking that and is interceding before God according to His will. You can't break this. Isn't that good to know? How much stuff do you face in your life every day where you realize you could make a big mess of things? Yeah, right? It's all kinds of things, right? All kinds of ways. We run into things where we can make a big mess of things telling you, brothers and sisters in Christ, dear children of God, you can't get this one wrong. In the midst of your pain and your hurt, you can't get this one wrong. Pray. Don't pray. Just, just bow. Just bow and groan. 
Ball up a fist in anger. You're not the first believer to be mad at God. You won't be the last. There's no sense in keeping it from Him, right? My encouragement, though, to you is to know that in your weakness, in those limitations, and man, we are riddled with them. We're riddled with these limitations. In the midst of these limitations, there, there is this profound work, the Spirit, the one who comes alongside, the helper, the comforter, is helping me in the, in the midst of the very thing I cannot do for myself. And not only is He doing it, He's doing it perfectly. He's doing it in concert with God's perfect divine will. So church, I, I don't know what it is you may be struggling through. Maybe this is an opportunity for you then to just, in full faith and trust in all that God's Word says. This is God's promise. Trust in God's promise. Even when you can't really see it or when it's hard to understand it, trust this is what the Spirit's doing. Even if you don't feel it, by the way, this doesn't always come with Holy Spirit goosebumps, okay? You may not feel anything, but more sadness. The good news is it's not based on your feeling. It's not based on your own perception. It's based on the inerrant and infallible Word of God. Maybe what you would like to do this morning, maybe you'd want to come here kneel here and pray about what it is that you are suffering through. Maybe you'd like me to pray for it. Maybe it's just one of those things where you pray where you are. Again, that's, that's all good. Of course, I would also make an appeal here. As the text is very clear in saying, this is a ministry provided to those who have the Spirit. Those who have the Spirit are those who have confessed faith in Christ. And if, if you have never trusted Christ as your Savior, if you've never confessed that you are a sinner and separated from God, if you've never asked God to forgive you based on Christ who died and rose from the dead, by faith trusted in Him and Him alone for salvation, I would implore you to do that. Submit to the gospel. And the good news in that moment, you get both Christ and the Spirit, and they both intercede on your behalf. Maybe that is the response you'd have today. I'll be down front if you'd like to know more about what it means to trust in the gospel of Jesus Christ. As we sing, oh, a great encouraging song, there is a Redeemer. There there is one who has redeemed, can redeem, will redeem, and to Him we can trust even the most difficult parts of our lives. Let's stand together and I'm going to pray. And after I pray, this time will be then opened to you and to how the Spirit would lead. Father God, we do thank you for the promise of your Word. What a profound promise to know that there is this work of intercession going on for us even now, even as I pray, even as your people will pray, that there is this great work going on. We thank you for the encouragement that comes, and I just, I just pray that now, Lord, you'd bring this Word to bear on the lives of your people. You would bring the work of the gospel to bear on the lives of those who may be unbelievers. You, by your Spirit, would do this work, helping us in our weakness, doing for us what we cannot do for ourselves. And Father, we just we trust then our lives to you, praying that you, by your word, will do in us what needs to be done, that you may receive all glory. That's in Christ's name we pray. Amen.